0: Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, Nah Maduhu um Salih, Allah Rasulul Kareem, We express our praise and gratitude to Allah Ta'ala and we seek blessings on the Prophet, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. All right, so continuing our exploration of Surah, the beginnings of Surah Ali Imran, we are now at, uh, we're still finishing Ayah 17, no, Ayah 18. So let us switch over to the screen, and we can jump in and explore the passage, inshallah. So once again, Nod, let me know you can see the Quran on the screen. Very good. I wonder if the use of thumbs up has increased tremendously during quarantine. I believe it has. Okay. So. There it is. Okay shahida Shahid shahida allahu la ilaha illahu okay so so allah bare was witness that there is no god but him and then we spoke about the fact that uh, so do the angels and so do the people of knowledge the owners the possessors of knowledge uh, for some reason it looks like it's not sharing let me re-share okay and, and we did make a distinction yesterday that this does not necessarily mean scholars, uh, but people of knowledge. And then we, we got into the conversation of the fact that Allah is the one who establishes justice, right? This translation maintains equity, upholds justice, uh, maintaining the creation and justice, and then bear with uh, truth and justice. And one of our conversations, part of our conversation yesterday was about the role of scholars in the whole process, if they have a uh, a role in the process of justice. And central to one of the points we were making is that Islamic law in particular, uh, its goal is not to provide justice. The goal of Islamic law is to provide order And and, uh, another way to think about it is that Islamic law is not designed to dictate change. So imagine a speed limit. A speed limit, what is the basic purpose of a speed limit on a highway? It's for purposes of order. Secondarily, you might say control, but primarily it is there for purposes of order and then relate to order safety. But a speed limit is not going to teach you how to become a better driver. So, so that is not the function of Islamic law. Where we left off is in reflecting upon how the latter part of this ayah, it begins with la ilaha illahu and then again, la ilaha illahu, al azizul al-hakim. So, <laughs> thoughts. What would be a benefit or a purpose for the fact that Allah at the beginning of the ayah mentions that he himself bears witness that there is no ilah but him and the angels and the people of knowledge. And then at the end of the ayah, he again says there is no ilah but him. One could obviously be the usual point of emphasis, but yeah, Dr. Mahan.
1: I haven't thought of this before but since you raised the question um you know um the just this is a very contemporary reading (laughs) so the struggles for justice are always about power and the ayah is saying you know don't forget that where the real power lies
0: yeah i think i think that fits very well especially considering that it follows up with al-aziz that he is al-aziz right and then, yeah, awesome. Um,
2: I think there's there's also the point that uh, no matter what justice we strive towards in dunya, there is like like w- there's constantly a reminder that uh, we will get sort of w- the most just form of justice there is in akhirah. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. That uh, the the when even when we're saying that he upholds uh, justice, uh, a timeline is not put on it, and it could mean that it's not completed in this world, but it is completed in in uh, the next world. Any more thoughts, reflections on um, the repetition at the beginning of the ayah "La ilaha illahu," and then in the end of the ayah "La ilaha illahu." If you remove the mention of Qa'iman bil Qist, then how does that affect the idea, uh, what we would read in terms of the repetition? That Allah bears witness, there is no Ilah but Him, and do the angels, and do the people of knowledge. There is no Ilah but Him, He is the Aziz, He is the Hakim. would it be this mere repetition yeah awesome
2: yeah i mean it it feels like repetition uh i mean the standard response like you mentioned earlier on repetition is emphasis right Mm -hmm. um and so so essentially what we're what we're saying is like uh, I, I think the implication of it without the, the justice or equity section is um like it's it's saying like you want to be amongst the people of knowledge. Okay.
0: okay. Any other thoughts, reflections? So we see Aziz and Hakim, Al Aziz and Al Hakim together yet again. And so here uh, we can perhaps say it's speaking uh, uh, in relation to the fact that there's no Ilah but Allah and that He is establishing everything with justice. Anyone remember the other places where we saw Al Aziz and Al Hakim? As we casually scroll up. You'll get stuck. Yeah, Tawseed.
3: The ayah about uh, the magnificence of our creation. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: That He is the one who forms us the way he, he, he wills. Again, there is no ilah but to Him. He is the Aziz and He is the Hakim. So what would be a possible relationship between the mention of our forming and, and then what we have in the current ayah? So the mention of our form in ayah six followed by la ilaha illa al-aziz hakim And then the ayah we were at uh, 18. Speaking about justice, these I think are the real interesting mysteries. What would be the connection, or what could be the connection? Yeah, Um Could it
2: could it be related to uh, the you know your your sort of state of being at birth, the uh, pitra? And uh, and that um, like at that point that uh, you are a person of knowledge, Mm -hmm.
0: yeah, or that is what you should aspire to be. That we have this innate purity, this innate magnificence of form, and that is how we have Allah Taala has started us. God Most High has started us. And then how do we then elevate ourselves? It is with the acquisition of knowledge, perhaps in the direction towards upholding justice. What do you all think, stretch or does it make sense?
4: I think that uh, I'm thinking that uh, it, it talks about balance because everything that God has created is balanced, okay. neither here nor there. And, and justice is balance mm-hmm. and connecting. Uh, uh, I mean, um, the, cre- the creation of human beings especially has been, I think in Surah Shams or some other um, um, surahs where it's been mentioned. Um, um, you know the word istawa, right?
0: Oh, sum stava. Yeah, I mean that's that's in a number of places. But keep going.
4: Right. So it's it's a complete balance. Um, and so I think that uh, that is probably the connection um, of balance and creation, and then balance uh, with the actions and the doings of the creations. Mm-hmm and everything else that's what
0: I um, feel okay all right Uh, yeah Dr. Mahan
1: you know um, one is the inner person and the other is an outer Mm. so you saw you have a disposition and then um, so there's always this struggle for virtue Uh, I'm reading in a platonic uh, terms and translate I mean, for us
0: what does that mean to read in platonic terms.
1: So which Imam Al-Ghazali did to Imam Raghiv Ispahani when they talked about fadail which was you have different parts of your soul mm-hmm. and they're competing against each other. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and so once you once you according to Plato once you achieve virtue in the contending realms of the inner soul you'll re- achieve realize justice in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, So, I mean, we don't have to read it entirely in platonic terms, that's inserting a certain philosophical frame, but we could nonetheless think about uh, the relationship between an inner virtue and outer justice. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, when we're competing for power in the world, you have all kinds of different claims, people see reality, people see causes differently. And that could be partly because of the way that they've been fashioned. Mm -hmm. Um, And so even though, you know, you in the world, you find that. How could someone see it this way and not that way? You know, Mm -hmm. uh, it's there for a reason. Mm -hmm. There's only one God. And, you know, in the end, don't think that you can resolve all of it. Mm -hmm. You have to do the best that you can. But remember, there's only one God. Mm-hmm. And you're not mm-hmm. it <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. well that yeah. was very beautiful Michelle. so I've sort of modified what you, what you just stated I've added a, a bit to it so here uh, I'm connecting the individual condition and relate to the fits that I'm calling that character or virtue and I'm essentially meaning of both of them as the same thing and then when that is expanded to the collective level the pathway to that is the acquisition of knowledge leading towards justice that at the individual level it is character at the collective level, character is justice. I'm gonna modify this just a little bit.
5: Is it saying that one automatically leads to the other?
0: Uh, I'm asserting that one should lead to the other. So that uh, as I am acquiring knowledge, That is guiding me towards justice but then dr Mahan made another another a different uh point which i think was also interesting the fact that we are multitudes but there is only one god right he creates each of us in in our own unique form and each of uh each of our own unique forms is majestic and done in wisdom but in terms of the the major process of justice, that's at a level that only Allah Allah Taala can really truly address. Meaning that our aspirations in this world are to keep working towards justice, to keep upholding justice, you know, in our interactions and such. But there might be some things that are too big. Talith. Uh, like, no, just
3: exactly. What you're... Just wanted to say I just made a connection as well in Suraeen. Mm. It says well look at the Khalukna alinsana fiasani ta'qeen. And then in the final ayat, Allah will be akim al hakimin. Which seems so, to mirror this conversate discourse here.
0: So uh, give us some more insights on it.
3: Um the khukna alinsana fiasani takwin that we have created humankind in the best of, of forms yeah. and that's similar to uh, 3 6 I believe it was where we discussed mm-hmm. Allah creates in the wombs as he likes and we had that discussion about how what a magnificent azim kind of creation it is and then mm-hmm. here on the discussion of Aziz al-Hakim with uh, the mighty, the wise um, so I just made that connection mm-hmm. here from this discussion we were having mm-hmm. so, so it seems you, to be a theme I, mm-hmm. i'm guessing in the quran and other it
0: keep going uh, keep going uh
3: that's what i'm coming to realize like it mm-hmm. seems like this is a theme that it's paired together mm-hmm. subhanAllah
0: yeah, yeah alhamdulillah how do you then read this uh this next ayah subject of much speculation much uh interpretation that were created in the best of molds, and then we turn him into the lowest of low. <inaudible> Any thoughts? I mean, you can come back to us, inshallah. Reflect Yeah, yeah, definitely, inshallah. Uh, because if we connect this to the point we're making about knowledge, uh, we're going to see a couple of ayahs. Uh, we might get to them today about the detriments of knowledge is we're about to enter a whole section on schismatics and such. But yeah, yeah, a this. But this is, I mean, this is one of the the things that many, many people have over the years reflected on that U.I.A. set right there. But yeah, thank you for the connection, Muhammad. Ah, Ahant.
6: So sort of like reflecting back on how sort of like, you know, like uh, the justice and knowledge is portrayed in in the Quran, Mm -hmm. um, uh, would you say that, you know, I don't like it seems to me that, you know, a lot of activism like today, it, it doesn't have that uh, see, balance. Um, mm-hmm. Would you say that's an accurate like assessment? I mean, it's just like, you know, looking at sort of, you know, the causes that you know, people are sort of going forth uh, sort of today. I don't know. It, it, somehow, like in my mind, doesn't, you know, you know, add up to the way that you know allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is sort of portraying justice and like knowledge here or, or like am i way off
0: well uh, i don't think you're way off and part of the reason why i don't think you're way off is because you're speaking so generally <laughs> that it's hard to argue that you're that you're way off or right on target but uh, awesome how would you how would you respond to what aham says that a lot of activism seems to be not in balance or what do you think
2: um yeah i mean i think that's true activism is inherently not in balance right um i think that uh when we are constantly struggling for uh what we believe to be just um we we necessitate imbalance in our society which is why i was so concerned about the idea of islamic law just upholding status quo um and I, I mean, you know, it's that it's that John Lewis thing about making good trouble, right? Uh, uh, explain further. So, so uh, John Lewis uh, just passed away two years ago, I guess now. But he was a congressman, and he marched with Martin Luther King at the age of like 20, 22 or something. He was very young, and uh, he said, "Go make like he his uh, famous." saying was go make good trouble, which basically means you, you essentially, uh, your responsibility in our society is to go out and, um, you know, sort of shake the balance, uh, in a way that, uh, bends our laws and our society further and further towards justice. So Um, I
0: think... Yeah, go ahead. Keep on.
2: Yeah, so so inherently the idea is that that activism is imbalanced;
7: it has to be.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think part of what you're also saying, what's built into your saying, is that activism is responding to imbalance. Right. That. Yes.
2: Yeah. Uh, fundamentally, yes. If if the skew is in one direction, then activism, the the goal is to balance again by skewing in the other direction, yeah. and like okay. a seesaw, right?
0: Uh, uh hunt uh what do you think about uh, what Austin yeah
6: said? I, I mean uh and thank you for sharing awesome um you know um that makes a lot of you know like you know like sense to me i mean like if the system itself is in not in a balanced state i mean you you, you know you can't you know respond with you know you know you know like middle ground to make any sort of you know like necessary change so so I guess that like makes uh, sense. You know, I guess I'm like wondering if that sort of concept is mentioned like anywhere like in the Quran. Well,
0: the, uh, there is an ayah that I had pulled up um, related to this idea of balance that, uh, that Sadia had made me think about when she was speaking about balance. And this is in Surah Rahman, which is basically every desi's favorite surah. Uh, because of its, uh, its recitation. But uh, so, so, I mean, uh, it's almost near the beginning. So, so, Ar-Rahman, and then Allama Al-Qur'an. So, Allah is Ar-Rahman. He is the one who taught the Qur'an, and he created man. And then he has taught him how to express himself. And the sun and moon are bound by a fixed calculation. And then the vine and the tree both prostrate to Allah, and then he raised this guy high, and he has placed the scale, the mise on, the balance, so that you should not be wrongful. And in this context, in weighing, you know, when you're trading and such. And then we're taught observe the correct weight with fairness, and do not make weighing deficient. So once again, uh, the immediate context is that if you're selling something, make sure you're not lying about about uh, how much. You know, if you're selling something by the pound, for example, don't lie about how much uh, it actually weighs. And then it goes further from there. And the earth, he plays for it creatures in which there are fruits and date palms, so forth and so on. But this insertion near the beginning of balance seems to be part of the design of the universe. That injustice then becomes imbalance, which then either conceptually or more than that has consequences beyond just a fact of injustice, and and so, so, so the point uh, to your question, we can definitely read that into the text, absolutely. And and you know I have you know I have a running joke of the list of a uh, of a list of of a couple of concepts that basically answer every question in Islam. So one is that okay, it all depends on intentions, right? Another is that it depends on context. Another is that you have to have a balance right and so balance is also sometimes our scapegoat our escape too but it is definitely a running theme throughout the whole text yes uh often
2: yeah and i think the other the other question then that all of this implies is how do we define imbalance and what do we define as imbalance mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um because and and you know the the hot hot issue right now is uh black lives matter right and this this movement didn't exist until at most 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, so before that, we could, we could say that because there wasn't unrest around it, it was balanced. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but then, you know, you could also argue that this stuff has been happening for a long time and that we only recently got the, opp- the opportunity and ability to be able to document it in a way that the world could see and so the imbalance was always there, it's now just been unearthed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so, so, you know, I, I don't know what the, the answer is, but I think we, we have sort of been begging the question of how do we define imbalance? Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. I mean, so I don't think that the Quran gets very specific on that issue. And, and a way to think about the content of the Quran is that the closer something is to the individual heart, the more text we tend to find. You know, the further we move away from the heart, from the individual, uh, into societal things, into governance, then the less and less ayahs we find. So if we were to take all the ayas that are about, about iman, then we have a whole lot, which I think would make sense. But, in the, but when we speak about ayahs that specifically talk about what is justice, or ayahs that speak about governance, then we have very, very few. Including every, every ayah that would even be remotely connected. You know, um, you know make, uh, you know, do leadership with, or, uh, with shura and things like that and obey the Allah, obey the Prophet, obey those who are charged with authority with you. And, and so that could mean that beyond the concept of equilibrium, that the specific definition of justice in each society is going to be different. Um, or it could mean that <laughs> rather than focusing on the transformation of society, you'll have more, fo- you'll have more success focusing on, being tra- uh, focusing on the transformation of the individual. And that'll have bigger consequences in society.
2: Are we equating justice and balance here?
0: Um, I'm basically saying in terms of defining justice or balance there's not that much detail. When we're speaking about the nature of the heart, then there's tremendous detail. And if we're looking at the Quran as as a a guide, then perhaps we would infer that that's where you start, meaning about a grassroots up approach as opposed to a top-down approach. And, and I'm saying these are all possible interpretations. Just looking at what the Quran seems to give specifics about how much it talks about those things versus what it doesn't talk about. I'd also suggest for everyone's consideration is that even though yesterday I mentioned that the Sufis by and large were the hist- were history uh, were the closest thing to the modern version of activists and organizers and such, uh, it still seems to be the case that the idea of claiming your rights is much more of a modern phenomenon that goes hand in hand with the rise of nation states. And and so uh, when we look at the transformation that the Prophet peace be upon him does of of Mecca and Medina of the Hijaz of the Arabian Peninsula etc um the core of it was the transformation of individuals, right? And that was uh, perhaps Eighty percent of the work was literally just the transformation of individuals, and that transformation of individuals then had so, what we would call social, political, economic consequences. And part of the transformation of individuals did include calling out wrongs in society, you know, like what we just saw in terms of weighing things with balance, or the little girl will be will will be uh, resurrected and she's going to ask, "What did I do to get killed?" You know, and so. There may be some some huge points to consider regarding social change in terms of that aspect of of the model of the prophet peace be upon him uh let's go to stephanie Mirta and then asim i'll go back to you
8: so maybe this is obvious to everyone else and i've just made this realization but the way you described it uh just now uh the human heart hasn't changed then over time Mm -hmm. um but governments, societies, they come in all shapes and sizes. And that is more subject to change. But the, the actual condition of the human heart is something that is perennial.
0: Yeah, I think, I think that's, a, that's a very, very profound point, mashallah. And thus, the literatures of the era of the different generations... Uh, the classic literatures will still have relevance centuries later, whereas constitutions or books of law, however, may not. Uh, Zishan, you had your hand, or Asim, and then Zishan.
2: Um, first of all, I really like that that point you just made, Stephanie. Thank you. Um, the the other thing I wanted to note is that the uh, the point you just made about the way the the um, prophet transformed. Um, and all that stuff that that holds true still, right? Um, Civil Rights Act was signed in 1965, and that just sort of happened at the top level. But the the primary transformation uh, still needs is still continuing to happen amongst individuals uh, to this day. So I, I yeah, I think that's the that's the really inherently the only way to do it, right? is that like whether or not so in the in the 1920s whether or not people were okay with the idea of women voting you give the women to write the vote the right to vote and then people learn to be okay with it over generations
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. okay yeah. uh zeeshan where are you these days are you still in cleveland or where are you now
8: yes sir cleveland till next year and oh. moving again um no, I've been, uh, I think it's a very super helpful conversation and I lowered my hand because most of the questions are already answered. But the one thing I wanted to confirm, like this uh, train of thought, a few classes ago, we talked about how different uh, fix and different systems might interpret the text differently. Mm-hmm. And there are diversity of opinions in Islam. Mm-hmm. Um, when it comes to justice, obviously the concept, there are many the changing society and changing times. Concepts of justice change. Some things are black and white. Some things change. For example, women's pay scale. Very new concept. It may not, we don't know how to interpret that, but there's, what this has provided is an interpretation of like um, a framework to apply as you go through this. Uh, You talked about the intent, talked about the heart, talked about the relationship. Great. What I want to tie back is like, because we have diversity of opinion, either scholars or uh, wherever you live, our understanding might be super different from others, right? And their concept of justice might be different from what we consider. Then we have each, as a result, we have Pakistan, as a result where people say, I need to be in power to be able to do this. That's their form of activism. To me, I rely back, like, is this gonna, like, I am certainly using that framework about like, what is their intent? Is this gonna get chaos? and something that I feel strongly about and so forth. Is that the right way to think about it? Because I don't want to go down that. I've lived up to that life. Or say, like, you know, if you don't say this, that your per- neighbor is not bidding as the is then you go to hell, <laughs> right? A very, very, that kind of uh, uh, approach. So uh, just want to do, is that the right way to think about it?
0: Okay, can mm-hmm. I ask you to... Uh, rephrase the question because I'm not sure I'm understanding. Or, or here, let me tell you what I think I'm understanding.
8: <laughs> right. And so there that, are like three, it, four chains of thought. A lot of diversity of opinion. People have a lot of different opinions of justice. Uh, some people take it too far. Some people take it too less. Uh, is the right way to think about the justice? Plus, my obligation towards this balance is to say the the framework that you describe. Like, yes, is the person, like, if I, if I sign on to a cause, is I should like re- verify that, you know, what is their intent? What is their context? What is their relationship? And then make sure that I'm okay with it before proceeding forward with it. If not, then I should just hold it and say like, you know, I don't think they're doing a good job or so forth. Is that the right way about it?
0: So, so far as you describe it, everything sounds like common sense. <laughs> the only thing I would add is that if we go back to the fundamental point that we're in this world not for the purpose of establishing justice, but we're in this world in the process of of meeting Allah Taala again. And so, another question to ask in you know your framework is, if it can be imagined, how does this bring me closer to Allah? If this can be uh, uh, calculated, how does this benefit me in seeking to get closer to Allah?
8: Great, that that's a new
0: point. Thank you. Okay, thank you, Inshallah. Malahat, and Dr. Malahat, and then Adnan, soon-to-be Dr. Adnan.
9: As-salamu alaykum. On the, on the external condition of the heart, I think that, in my humble opinion, the external conditions and approach has been changed drastically because now the self is getting more customized, um, you know, on the material side. You know, like you're getting like only 100 watches in the world of the Rolex is making. Only 50 cars of the Lamborghinis is going to be making. So the customization of the nafs is getting on that level, on the individual level. That was not available in in a few centuries back. It, it is more like maybe the internal conditions, I think I can I can think that you know the classical text is is, is still a valuable thing. But on the external side, I think there's a there's a huge pathway to work on. Mm-hmm. to how to address those uh, impact of these sort of, you know, materialism is happening
0: in our, in our life inside out. Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, um, I think we'd all agree with this point, right? That, uh, that the, the challenge, first, no matter what, the challenges of every generation change. But when we're looking at the nature of challenges, one is, is that we live in a boutique world now and and so everyone has is going to have even more just because of of social media personal media devices and such and i mean it's only a matter of time before everyone starts wearing personal media glasses that everyone's literally going to have their own boutique version of everything so customized version of islam itself i think is literally right around the corner and and so what to think of sunni shia what to think of Hanafi, maliki shafi it's going to be literally you know the Malahat version of, of Islam, the Umar Ali version of Islam, the Abdullah Amir's version of Islam, so forth and so on. I think that is less than twenty years away, and probably ten years away, as something that gets inti- uh, increasingly articulated uh, as a part of, especially Western society, but I mean probably global.
9: Yeah. So if you, if you look for the impact analysis for this one, is is that you know then the approach will be customized to to how to how to get because if this whole justice and adl and the mizan and the balance, will everything is need to be rehab or, you know, re-artifact to address those challenges of our time
0: and the time will come, inshallah. So, so that part, I think, applies to every generation, no matter what, but what you're also sharing is what will be particular about future generations. Yeah, but this is also uh, the difference uh, in, in terms of, uh if someone comes to my office with a, in I might've shared in this class, if someone comes to my office with a one sentence question, they're going to get a one sentence answer. If they come to my office with a 30 minute question, then they're going to get a 30 minute answer. And and the idea being that the more general the question is, then the more general the answer is going to be. Yeah, you know? no, I'm, I'm actually talking about the framework
9: of what we are discussing since last 38 minutes is that, you know, that, the classical, um, you know, text and the classical remedies for our uh, heart disease of heart is still valid. It, yes, it is valid, but I think I think we need to like go one one
0: level up to create the prescription for well, the I mean, challenges think, of our time. I mean, as an idea, I mean the idea is sound, but still like the same point that I made that I made to ahant is that it's still, uh, you're sharing a very general point, which uh, would apply to literally every generation ever. See what I'm saying? That in principle, I agree with everything that you're saying, but even the customization of an answer is still, that was at the time of the Prophet peace be upon him. Those are the ahad hadith, or we call the shad hadith, where, you know, Here's the prophet giving an answer publicly. And then someone specifically comes to him with a question and he gives an answer that oftentimes looks like it contradicts his public explanation. But this is the answer for this person or this is the answer for this tribe. And, And so to connect it with your point, that is almost going to be institutionalized. But we might also have a pushback where people are so lost in customization that they want to lose their identity and join huge mindless masses. But we'll see, inshallah. Uh, Adan.
7: Uh yeah. So I don't know. Um I'll just ask this. So with with I know you were talking about activism earlier, uh, in terms of like structural changes and things like that. Would you say, or traditionally, like the Sufis were more concerned about? Um, producing a strong society versus a strong structure and what I mean by that is uh and I'm not to belabor the point but there was there's something I read online and it was about how like you no know, sociologists in India in the 1950s they they called it like a strong society weak state theory right and like poverty you know it doesn't have the same crippling impact on the family structure that it does in the west because in general there's just at a societal level, there's more family ties are more emphasized, or certain things are more emphasized. So, like being a single mother or have it, losing your job in in a traditional society won't be as crippling as it might be in, in like a Western society. And so, I guess my question is in this, in terms of like Islamic ideas on activism traditionally, are they are they more centered around producing a strong society versus you know structural changes within like the state that we sort of aim for today.
0: So uh, I, uh, so yeah, these are questions that I've literally wrestled with to the point of wrestled with professionally for, for 25 years. Right. And my answer, my take on it would be, yeah, that the focus, the goal is not social change, right? The goal again, being uh, the process of being prepared to return to a law consequence or and then how do you get people to want to do that you're starting at the individual level with individuals like uh, hazel's point that you put in the text and you're and and so you're changing people initially one by one at the individual level and then it starts happening more but it's still changing people and the structure is more of the acts of worship and, and so part of that is not just, okay, you make your prayers, you fast in Ramadan, but the imposition of prayer becomes one of the core structures of society. Right. Uh, as opposed to a type of governance, because, so I think we might've discussed in this class, no, I think it was a different class that even if we look at the, from the, the, the Sunni reading, of, the, of how did the leaders get picked after the Prophet peace be upon him. You had the elite of Medina pick Abu Bakr, right? You have Abu Bakr picks Omar. You have Omar appoints a council that picks, that picks Uthman. Yeah. And then it's literally the, uh, the, the, the seditionists that, that put Ali into power. And so we literally have four different forms of just the whole process of selecting a leader until the Umayyads come along and it becomes a dynasty. Yeah. And, and, and so then on top of that, that's the part that most of us are familiar with. The part that is often left out is especially we see in the rule of Omar and beyond, but even in Abu Bakr, most of their ideas for rule did not come from the Quran and Sunnah because most of those questions were not found in the Quran and Sunnah. Right? that uh, Omar is often looking at, you know, what do we see the, the Persians doing? What do we see the Romans doing? And what do we see the Egyptians doing? And which of those things can we then uh, implement in terms of our society? Yeah. Or if some people had you know, innovative ideas and he doesn't have the time to mull it over, it's like real time, he has to figure out answers to questions but the point i'm making is that we often fantasize and i'm saying it's a fantasy that the prophet comes with, with the quran and the sunnah and then for the next 30 years under the four khalifas all their answers are already figured out no almost none of their answers are figured out and 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 so that would i would then associate with your question about structure that uh, the quran gives very little about structure and 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 so I'm going through this uh, uh, I mean, uh, this book by Taha Hussein, Al-Fitna Al-Kubra, and he's not a scholar. He's not claiming to be a scholar. He's not even a historian. And, I mean, but, or no, no, he is a scholar, but he's not a historian. And he's making this point uh, very, very aggressively that you know, we, we would like to think that the answers for Abu Bakr and Omar in particular are coming from, from on high, but no, they're trying to figure out in the situation they have, What's the best answer they have? Do they even think about the fact that, okay, this has consequences for the rest of the history of humanity? Maybe, maybe not. So yeah, I would say it's very much uh, focused on the individual and family as opposed to the structure. So, so sorry to be going on a
7: tangent, but What's at right? what level then would Abu Bakr and Omar ali Rahman be models for us?
0: So then Sunni thought is basically saying we're looking at the Prophet and the Sahaba. And the benefit of looking at the sahaba, the sahaba in theory is that they're also each other's checks and balances in terms of loyalty to the Prophet, peace be upon him.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And in terms of disagreeing on how to do things. And also looking at the diversity of the Sahaba. right? And so, so in terms of Sunni and Shia a tradition, neither says, okay, it's the Prophet and the Sunnah. It's in Shias, it's the Prophet and the Sunnahs and the Imams. And the Sunnis are saying the Prophet, the Sunnah, the Sahaba, as well as the Tabi'in and the Tabi And what do we get from the Sahaba and the tabi'in and tabi'in and Tabi we get a huge, 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 wide frame uh, uh, disagreements, uh, as well as trying to figure out answers where you don't find answers in the Quran and Sunnah. You know? And that's the famous Hadith where the Prophet, peace be upon him, is sending Mu'adh bin Jabal to Yemen. And he asked him, all right, how are you going to find your answers? Quran. what if it's not there, Sunnah. what if it's not there, then, you know, even the principles that we have in the Quran and Sunnah, more what's probably taking place is that they've internalized a certain type of honesty and integrity of character, which can then uh, find some, some ideas repulsive, but most other ideas, you know, I don't know if this idea is better than that idea, you know, and so let's go with whatever the best as we can, and sometimes it'll be a blunder, and there are points where, where uh Omar makes choices that seem to be the wrong choices. Uh, Ahant and Malahat.
6: Um, you know, you had uh, sort of made in my mind a scary prediction where you said, you know, 10 to 20 years from now that the dean's gonna be personalized. I mean totally. I mean, like, doesn't that scare you? I mean, because because this is not anyone's deen this is like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's deen mm-hmm. and sort of like you know like you know like you know like how can we counteract that like movement because we might be falling into this trap ourselves um you know I mean <laughs> it's, I don't know, uh, it's, uh it's a it's very scary thing you said there you know okay but, maybe it's uh, my uh, my fasting brain but I, I don't know <laughs>
0: <laughs> is that going answer your question a couple ways That number one if you've seen all the scary things I've seen then this is just another scary thing scary thing yeah, but, uh, you know, that's like, you need like a cigar to say something like that. If you're, you know, No, but the, the point is that uh, uh, in practice, all of us, whether we admit it or not, practice a boutique version of life, and we practice a boutique version of Islam. Yeah. Meaning, think, for example, okay, so you've been Muslim now for, for how many years now? Four years? Four or five years, yeah. Uh... I know exactly how long you've been Muslim, but in any case, the point is that as long as you've been Muslim, you've had a taste of different approaches and different environments in, among Muslims in Chicago, and there are places that you like to go rather than other places, right? And that's true of every single person in this class, I mean, not limited to Chicago. And, and so there is a certain amount of boutique Islam that every one of us practices now, the shift is going to be that at least many of us vocally say we're still keeping ourselves under the umbrella of Ahl al-Sunnah Jamaa. jamaah yeah. and so the shift is going to be that, okay, you know, people are going to toss all of that out and have their own version, but the point, the bigger point I'm making is all of us already do that, you know, um, and, and related to discussions we've had in previous uh, conversations that even if we don't have that at the collective level or at the individual level, we still do have it at the, the collective level, multiple versions of, of Islam. And if you're to go back home to Hyderabad, you would see it all there, right? If you go to Karachi, you're going to see it all there. If you go to, if you go to Cairo, you'll see it all there. It's just harder to notice in Chicago because of where people are are putting their money. And so, you know, most of the fundraising is for a particular type and approach to Islam because land in America is so expensive. But it's, I mean, in rented apartments, you have all kinds of different Sufi tarikas and such. And so, yeah we're going to see just a micro version of that, just like the, the micro capitalism that, that Malahat's talking about in terms of, of customization of everything, you know? So it's not just, you know, the, the, the cover of your phone or the wallpaper of your phone, but it'll be everything. But yeah, that's not something that, that scares me. It's more just, you know, trying to figure out, all right, okay, if that's a scenario, how do we bring health to people? What do you think? Found it. Yeah, it's
6: um, it's profound. Uh, I, I mean, uh, 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 this is uh, something that I have to think about for like a very long time to to just kind of, you know. I mean, like you know, like I guess that's just the like you know, like uh, like inevitable reality. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, but yeah. yeah
0: look- the one way to, because I think part of your question is, how do I protect myself? And so that goes back to uh, the Prophet, peace be upon him, he stayed tight to the Quran. And, and this is interesting, because there's actually two hadith in modern Sunnis, kind of forget the second hadith. What does the Prophet, peace be upon him, say in the common narration of, you know, follow these two things and you'll never go astray. Follow the Kitab and my Sunnah, Right but what else does he say in another narration that some kind of a forgotten all the kitab in my family. Yeah. But the point I'm, I'm making here is stay close to the fundamentals while keeping your feet on the ground. I and mean, one of the repeated points throughout this whole class has been, you know, how uh, keep yourself honest with yourself. I Meaning if you were to turn off internet Islam, that would clear out 90% of, of, the confusion that that a whole lot of people have you know internet islam is is just this big giant cafeteria of most of which is just nonsense and and so essentially boutique islam is going to be internet islam you know. uh dr Malahat yeah one comment
9: and then one question uh comment is on ahad just scare yeah. him a little bit further that you know i think it mm-hmm. is. uh it's, it's already there. The elements of those are already here, and that's the rift and resist going on with between the ijma and those elements. And I'm not going to name names, but you know
0: we can talk. Yeah, no problems naming names for the last five classes, but, but keep going. Yeah, yeah, I
9: mean you know that that, that whole uh, rift and resist between the school of Deoband and and Kamdhishah. There are naming names. Going, yep. Uh, going on in uh, Indo-Pak region and it's a big, big, big problem right now. Uh, on my question side, that you know, the you mentioned about the Hazrat Umar and Abu Bakr and Hazrat Ali, but I think they have a um, they have a council. They have a whole body of Ummah on that time available to support them. And I I re- I relate to that uh, Hazrat Ali's uh, saying that you know that someone says to him that you know you know what. Um, there is no anarchy in the time of Abu Bakr and Omar, and he said, "Yeah, because I'm their counsel, and you're my counsel." Yes. So I think that's that's what we are missing right now—the challenges of our time, because we is so much in this um, distributed mindset, right? Mm-hmm. That that is what you just mentioned about that uh, customized Islam mm-hmm. is actually we already on like on the level of maturity or level one or level two already on that side because we don't have that fit to value. We just look for the Islam is more like a fit to value where we stand today.
8: Mm-hmm.
9: And that's, that's kind of like
0: um, what you just, I'm just providing some supporting argument, that's pretty yeah. much. Yeah, I would say, so So no question. But so I would say that, uh, uh, I mean, that's uh, another way of phrasing the same point that I've been making, that if you were to look for what is the primary cause for the vast majority of problems in the Ummah, at least in Chicagoland, and by extension America, but maybe across the globe, is that you have this many people doing the work of this many people, right? And all the things that we identify, patriarchy, mediocrity, chauvinism, uh, elitism, and all that, all of that is more of a consequence as opposed to a central, the central problem I'm suggesting is that, you know, in Chicago, if you literally were to take all of the people who put in, let's say, more than 10 hours a week in terms of muslim community work um i'd be surprised if that number is higher than 200 people but let's even say it's a thousand people um uh, it would be uh, still uh, a huge shortage in terms of how much man hours human hours are actually needed for for community work uh hazel
5: okay bismillah um i have a couple things number one so I understand the notion of working on changing hearts in order to inshallah change systems. But my question is the Prophet's life وسلم, in Medina and the societal and structure pieces that did change. Um, and so one thing that I comment slash question, but one thing that I have mentioned in in like trainings and stuff is in order to get people to understand or like own the things that they're good at. Like there's some of my colleagues that I like, we literally have disagreements on, on like some people are really good at structural changes. And then other people are really good on the one-to-one part. And over the years, I've come to understand that I'm a little better on the one-to-one interactions with individuals to bring about systemic, not only individual changes and changing mindsets, but also like systemic changes. And I have colleagues that are the complete opposite. Um, and I'll get people in tears from after talking to a colleague. So how did the Prophet Sallallahu um, work in, in Medina in particular, when it comes to these societal changes that is a part of our Islamic history?
3: Mm-hmm.
5: And then two, the, and my other point is also living within the United States where, like you mentioned, right, there's so many different Sufi tariqas in you know, different apartment buildings and just like across this country. But a lot of these places also kind of stay very insular, right? So mm-hmm. if there is this notion of individual change, um, and I don't only work within the Muslim community, so it's like, yo, where are the Muslims at? I get frustrated on that piece, on that front. And so it's, so how are we supposed to focus only on ourselves, but then want to be in a Muslim enclave and like not do nothing, but then take advantage of the land that we live on?
0: Okay. So um, I can get to a couple of points of your question. One about how did the prophet seem to do it, peace be upon him. Uh, One of his strengths seems to be that he either was, or he became a master manager. And and part of the process of being a master manager is is identifying sort of what you said at the beginning, you know, okay, here's where Hazel is very strong and here's where she's not as strong. Let's put Hazel over here. You know, here's where Sammy is strong. Here's where he's not as strong. Let's put him over there. Here's where Asha is strong. Here's where she's not as strong. Let's put her over there. And I mean, one one of the things I love about Omar is that if the prophet, peace be upon him, could handle Omar, he can handle pretty much anybody in all of human history, right? I mean, Omar has such a big personality um, and the prophet was able to handle him and he's able to handle Abu Bakr and get these two. Um, and and so, so the process of being a leader uh, does uh, uh, what we do see in him is, is some amount of skill. And again, I don't know if it's what he had from just growing up, you know, being at the lap of his grandfather, the head of Quraysh, by being a merchant or being a master observer growing up or other insights he's getting from the Quran, because there are some passages in the Quran, they're definitely about leadership, but he is getting people to excel, you know, according to, to their skill sets. And, and that does seem to be the case. Um, and so, you know, there's the, he, he puts, uh, who is it, um, Osama, Osama bin Zaid, um, you know, at the head as a general, and he's really young. And then other people are providing criticism, but, you know, Osama's very successful. And, and so, so then you get people to work in these spheres where they'll be successful. Because it's not just structural change versus individual change, there's neighborhood uh, uh uh involvement there's you know community involvement bigger than the neighborhood and so there are multiple planes and so then you figure out where each person would be inshallah most effective and i'm sure there's probably examples where the prophet him put someone in a particular place and then determined okay that's not the best place and moved them to someone else somewhere else that's probably there in the literature too because what seems to also be a blessing for us of the prophet is the fact that he makes mistakes and his mistakes are lessons for us. So that would be, that would be my take in terms of the core of, of your question. Uh, in terms of the other part of your question, it seems to still go back to the point that why don't you see Muslims in many spaces? Uh, one is let's not also overestimate how many Muslims there are, but also uh, that you know, uh, American life is, is a very, very demanding life you know if you have the privilege of working in such and raising a family then you're going to be concerned about your kids college education and how are you going to pay for that and that alone you know paying for a home that knocks out so many people and so in some ways it's almost like america has has you know the founding fathers have figured out how to make a country that's movement proof you know, has been for 230 years The closest we've seen to the toppling after the Civil War, the Civil War was an attempt, failed, is what we're seeing right now among these right-wing evangelicals, which did the same thing. They seem to start person-to-person. Okay, on that note, we have to stop. Uh, I have to get to my next class. And uh, uh, starting tomorrow, inshallah, we're going to shift the conversation. Because then we're going to really get into this conversation about true belief and schism. All right, subhanakallahumma okay, we have the Kanishadu Allah, Ilaha, illa anta Nasdaq, Firakona, Tubi Lake. Subhanakallah, we have the Kanishadu, uh, Subhanakallah, Okay, Melatela, bless you all. I'm already, I've already, uh, gotten too much going on. May Melatela, forgive me, and what's
3: that? I do to